Sword number 10 is the penultimate issue in my first or second favorite series in the Krakoa era, depending on how recently I read the latest issue of Hellions. The Al Ewing written series remains excellent, continuing here with the threat of the Lethal Legion and Sword's Mole, as mutant kind is threatened from every angle. Today I'll answer, what is Abigail Brand plotting and what does it mean for the future of the mutant space program and Krakoa? Theories and predictions for what's to come, again, revolving around where is S.W.O.R.D. going from here as this series concludes in 2021. Hey everybody, I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. You are listening to Crack and Krakoa number 203, a review of S.W.O.R.D. number 10 that's going to double as a big theory video about Abigail Brand's plans for mutant space. If you like the Comic Book Herald YouTube channel, please consider liking, subscribing, sharing, and commenting here. It all helps me out a great great, great deal. You can find X-Men comic book reading orders in the show notes, including for the full reign of X. Spoilers for discussed comics will follow. So Sword Number 9 advanced the role of Henry Peter Gyrick as a key antagonist to Abigail Brand and Sword. Henry Peter Gyrick is acting commander of the Alpha Flight Space Program and servant of the anti-mutant collective Orcus. For the less familiar, Gyrick has effectively been the governmental stand-in for a conservative stooge since 1980s Avengers comics, somewhere between Dark Reign-era Norman Osborn and MCU Alexander Pierce, usually wielding his bigotry through established political infrastructures and friends in high places. If you've read the original Sword miniseries by Kieran Gillen, you know that Gyrick is effectively the villain of that run. So in issue number 9, we see Gyrick selling James Hudson, Guardian of Alpha Flight, on the threat of Mutant Araco. But most importantly, we learn that Gyrick's mole inside sword is none other than Takeshi Matsuya, aka Wizkid. Which, given how likable Wizkid has been so far, and how much work Ewing has done transforming the character, you know, and making him this virtually untouched original Inferno cast-off into a crucial part of S.W.O.R.D., it would be a super bummer <laughs> to see Takeshi actually be the mole working against Mutantkind in S.W.O.R.D. So that's a lot of what we get here in issue number 10, right? We get a full focus on Takeshi, a.k.a. Wizkid, writer of issue 10. We have Al Ewing, artist Jacopo Camagni. We have colors by Fernando Cifuentes, letters by Ariana Maher. Ewing once again delights with his unique ability to explore what makes the character and features of the Marvel Universe so exciting, quite literally making the act of figuring Takeshi out the central point of the character's internal monologue, as he goes about his sword routine amidst our full knowledge that he's acting as a mole for Henry Peter Gyrick. Takeshi sells that he's the mole by tricking and taking out Cable, which is a cool party trick, and then blowing up the peak, which, as methods for selling your double agent go, is honestly pretty effective. I quite like the continued potential here in Sword Comics of Old Man Cable, right? Of the return post-Teen Cable leaving and Old Man restoring of Old Man Cable as a part of this unit. Um, but again, with only one issue remaining in the 2021, you know, uh, run here of Sword and some sort of post-Inferno, you know, like, I, like plot to set to shake things up here, I'm not sure how much of that we'll really get to see explored in this era. I hope there will be more. Now, all this is going down during what's supposed to be a respectful meeting with the Shi'ar on planet Araku. Unfortunately, nobody told that to the all-new Lethal Legion, who show up here and just absolutely wreck the Shi'ar. In issue number 9, the Shi'ar Imperial Guard is decimated, like just destroyed, to the point that I actually forgot they didn't have resurrection protocols available to them. Like, so many of the Imperial Guard are literally killed by the Lethal Legion here. You know, like, like fairly known characters, too. I mean, I don't, you know, Gladiator's not killed, but 
like Fang. I remember him pop- popping up in those Dave Cockrum drawn issues back way back when, right? But like, you know, listen, I'm not I'm not Shiar fanboy number one, but it is a bit odd seeing them just worthless, <laughs> like like totally useless. We see Zandra, the Empress of the Shiar, reduced to Storm's biggest fan, which fair, um, but I'd still really like to see who Zandra could be as a ruler for this giant interstellar empire. With oh by the way, DNA shared with Professor Charles Xavier. Either way, it's always a pleasure to see Storm and Frenzy whipping butt on the cheap terrorist replicants, Lethal Legion, via Orbis Stellaris, okay, which is Ewing's, uh, it's a new idea, okay, it's this new alien entity, but Stellaris is actually a Thor villain from, like, the early 90s, so I'm curious to see how much of a connection there might be uh, there, because Al Ewing is quite good at dusting off, again, these unused concepts and continuity and bringing them back in new and interesting ways. So, blowing up the peak certainly gets Takeshi and Gyrick's good graces, but he still wants a bit of explanation, right? And it's here that we see Takeshi playing Gyrick like a fiddle, and her first clues, or first, you know, real hints that, like, okay, not all is as it seems here. Our guy, WizKid, definitely cannot be <laughs> the mole that he's pretending to be. It's not necessarily the point of the comic either, but I do think some exploration on mutant feelings about Krakoa and about the ruling body would be useful. You know, in order to convince Gyrick why he would betray Krakoa, Takeshi is essentially like... I don't actually see humans and mutants as all that different. And, you know, we invited Apocalypse <laughs> onto our government. Uh, that was kind of a stretch. I would like to see more of that. You know, again, like post House and Powers, there's so much just acceptance of, okay, all mutants together. That's the point of this era. And that's fun and that's interesting. But I do think getting on a ground level, like what do mutants actually think of that? Uh, there's a lot of potential there to explore. You know, mutant kind of not necessarily being on board. And I think that's kind of what Inferno is leaning towards, just again, at the the ruling body level of the conversation. So Takeshi, at the end of this, he triple agents our butts, right? Predictably, but welcome, and reveals he's got tiny Abigail Brand pin particling her way into the heart of Orcus, which, or at least into Gyrix Alpha Flight Space Station, right? Which for me raises the most interesting question here. And it is, what is Abigail Brand up to? What are the plans? What is the plotting? Why? Did we set up WizKid as a mole with Henry Peter Gyrick? What's that going to achieve? Now, from day one, we've seen Brand working in deep secret, with every implication being Krakoa's Quiet Council would not sanction the actions she's taking. There are all sorts of deep secret documents with redacted Brand's eyes-only sections that are Ewing's way of letting us in on one of the foremost and most underrated schemers in this entire Krakoan age, right? In the first issue, Brand tells Magneto she doesn't work for Krakoa. She works for Soul. This is a crucial distinction Brand hammers home time and time again because it really differentiates how Brand thinks about the world compared to the likes of Professor X, Magneto, Storm, Apocalypse, Moira X, Mystique, Destiny, and on and on and on. She's playing a different game. Her concerns are different than all of these other mutants. We see this sentiment reciprocated back in Sword Number 4 during the King in Black event. Hope Summers takes Brand to task for her constant scheming. As she says here, establishing backup hatcheries in a secure location is a great idea, but doing it on the fly during a universal crisis, that's just stupid. To which Brand eventually retorts, well, I don't blindly serve Krakoa, and some things are need to know. I've got my reason, she said quietly. Okay, and that's been building throughout this run. What are Brand's reasons? What 
is she actually building towards, you know? We've seen Bran manipulate the Snark War for Soul's benefit, as well as manipulate Teddy, the king of the Kree Skrulls, during the last Annihilation, combined with the plan to harvest Mysterium from the cosmos and place the entire galaxy indebted to mutant money, and Bran is playing the strings of the entire galaxy in a more effective manner than literally any other player in mutantdom. Still, there remains this mystery, honestly much like we see with the dark side of whatever Moira X is planning in Bran's plans. As she puts it in a memo, Glorp knows how history will tell the story of what I've got planned. They'll acknowledge the necessity of it, I'm sure, but I doubt they'll be kind. That could totally be something that Moira X is writing in one of her journals as well. It's got that same sort of pragmatic, this needs to be done, but people aren't going to like it. Well, what is it, okay? Here's the theory. Bran doesn't want to simply stop Gyrick and remove the threat he poses, although make no mistake, she'll make a point to humiliate Gyrick and he'll have it coming. He will be brought low and he will always deserve it. Likewise, I don't anticipate Bran merely wants to destroy Orcus, the mother agency overseeing Gyrick's actions. That sounds like a Professor and Magneto goal and not Abigail Brands. Instead, I anticipate Abigail Brand wants to subsume the Orcus Agency and utilize them in defense of Earth and the Soul System. Sword is ending with issue number 11 in December 2021, and Inferno number 4 released that same month should mean some pretty major updates to the status quo for Orcus, Nimrod, and Mutant Kind. It's my prediction that come 2022, we'll be looking at Abigail Brand's Orcus Sword Takeover, making use of the best minds among humans and mutants to protect the solar system. Now, remember, Orcus has serious galactic power, right? They have a sentinel city. They have a space station around the sun. These are things that a director of sword can use. There, It will not be much of a stretch. Listen, I won't pretend to know exactly how this shakes out, but post-Inferno, I do anticipate changes to the threat of Orcus will need to be made. Why not Abigail Brand at the head? And I want to be clear here, I'm not thinking of this in terms of a heel turn for Brand, you know, taking over Orcus and becoming a threat against mutant kind. I think it's it's the opposite. It's going to be her continuing to work ultimately in what she sees as the benefit of Krakoa, but the benefit of Krakoa as it pertains to the protection of the entire soul system. You know, I'm picturing something here similar to what Jonathan Hickman kicked off and Al Ewing picked up with Roberto da Costa's time as the head of AIM. You know, Roberto takes over. He buys out Advanced Idea Mechanics, this longtime villainous, uh, you know, organization, right, on the on the level of Hydra and, and, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. antagonist. Roberto takes him over, right? And the idea is here essentially changing the rules, changing the game. What if we, you put all that brilliant scientific endeavoring towards something positive? I'm envisioning something quite like that with Brand as the head saying, okay, Orcus, we can use that. We can use what's going on there. Um, maybe not Nimrod, right? Like, <laughs> probably something needs to change there. And it, that, to me, feels like the sort of thing that mutant kind, that Professor X and Magneto, would not be on board with, right? They just want it wiped out. They just need it destroyed because they're getting intel and they're getting information from Moira that tells them that is what needs to be done. So, the Krakoan for the final issue reads Planetfall. And again, there's only one issue of Sword left, at least in this iteration. Um, again, with all of the series I love, like Hellions, that's a bummer, you know? But it's you can't treat it like, oh, all of these good X-Men comics are ending, because really the reality is just everything's changing, coming out of Inferno, coming out of... 
2022's X Lives and X Deaths of Wolverine, like all these series are just going to relaunch as something else, you know? So like Al Ewing's going to pick up something new, I have to imagine. Um, could it be an Orcus book led by Abigail Brand, or do we just keep calling it Sword? But now the tables have turned. So let me know what you think about this theory, what you think about what's coming next for Sword, for Orcus, for the plans of the the great, great Sword director, Abigail Brand. I want to hear them all in the comments. Let me know uh, what you think is coming and, and just in the world of the Mutant Space Program. Get your theories and your thoughts out. Thanks to everybody who supports Comic Book Herald over on Patreon.com slash Comic Book Herald. Thanks in particular to those of you in the Mysterious Benefactors tier. You get your name shouted out here. Thank you, Jesse W., Megan Getman, Cole Weathers, Brent Bowser, Professor X3769, Richard Renz, Adam, Chris Mervicka, Verisimilitude, Terranort, Clyde to Glide, Pinball Drew, Mike Solomons, Matt Mahoney, John Samander, and Joshua Bentley. Thanks for your support. Again, I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at comicbookherald.com, at comicbookherald on social, on Twitter, on Instagram. Look for the Comic Book Herald Best Comics Ever podcast and my Marvelous Year podcast for more from me. In the meantime, like, subscribe to the channel here. It all helps me out a great deal. Let me know your theories about what's coming for Sword and Abigail Brand. And as always, thanks for listening and enjoy the comics. <laughs>